0: Here's Pastor Scott. Hear what God says in Psalm 51, verse 1. The Bible says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I want to speak to you today from a sermon titled, How to Recover from a messed up situation when it's your fault. Amen. That's a good one. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you for salvation, Lord. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for healing. Thank you for your spirit. God, I pray that you'd anoint me today to say the things that would honor you. Father, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you want us to hear today. Lord, I pray that you, you would change us today. Lord, I pray that you would allow us today to make recovery, to make comeback, to move forward in your kingdom. Bless this time now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How to recover from a messed up situation when it's your fault. I was trying to do a search in the office before I came out, but it was taking so long that I gave up on it. But I feel confident this is the longest title of any sermon that I have preached in 37, almost 38 Years. Uh, that's a mouthful. I'm glad it all fit on one screen. Here, here, I, could jump, I could jump the whole thing right now and, and just tell you, most people will never accomplish this because they can't grab hold of that last sentence on the screen. Some of y'all not, 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 not following what I'm saying. You, you got to recognize that sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it, 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 it it's not the other person, it's it's you or it's me. Uh, and, and listen, I'm going to tell you what, America has changed so much in my lifetime that America no longer wants to deal with this type of reality. America wants to blame everybody else. America wants to say that it's that way because... To, Two brothers could grow up in the same house. One grew up to be a millionaire. The other one grew up to be broke and on the system welfare. And and the one who is broke will say that the, the, the rich brother was lucky, that he got all the breaks, that life wasn't fair for him. He'll never say that his other brother outworked him, tried harder, kept a job longer, didn't show up drunk, didn't lay out, didn't have five divorces and 14 children. And he... but. People don't ever want to look at themselves. And I want to tell you something, real recovery starts on the inside. And that's why I I think most rehab programs don't work. Now, I'm not saying don't send your people to rehab. I'm not saying don't go to rehab. But I'm telling you, most of them don't work for the very simple reason is that junkie has not come to the place yet where they realize that it's their fault. And as long as you got everybody else to blame but yourself, you're never going to work on you. And that's why everybody likes to point the finger. That's why everybody likes to push off on somebody else. Because as long as you, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Whoa, well, uh, so-and-so don't have a heaven to get you in or keep you out of. So the standard is Jesus. And I'll go ahead and give you some more of the punchline. We've all been at fault. Let's look. I love King David. King David is one of the central figures in the Bible. The scripture tells us we have these stories for our examples so we can learn from them. So God gives us a very detailed look at the garbage to most of the heroes of our faith's situation. We get to see their their collapse, their moral failure. We get to see the the worst of them other than David and Joseph. All the major figures in the Bible uh, have shade thrown on them has Dirk's play has, has, has a peek into wow, he did that and David has all his stuff out on display throughout the Bible. David is such a unique person. Uh, the, the Bible says that he, he was the great king that, that his throne would last forever. the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, that his ways, always please the lord it's hard to figure out how a man's ways always please the lord when he's a murderer a whoremonger an adulterer a coward and a liar but the scripture also tells us that man looks on the outward and god looks on the heart the scripture also tells us that uh there there is an ability to recover from sin if you will repent of your sin i've told you many times that David and Saul are contrasted in the Scripture because Saul was the first king of God's people, and David was the second king. And Saul was, the Bible says, head and shoulders taller than everyone else. He was a big, strong, good-looking dude. His name means natural ability or talent. And, he, and David was a little, small guy with, with a big heart and a, a ferocious um, personality and he 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 made great conquests for god but he also had great failures and I've, I've i've told you this many times before saul is not any morally worse than david but god ripped the scripture says the kingdom from saul's hand and gave it to another which was david because of saul's sin god stripped the kingdom from him now I don't know if you remember what Saul's sin was but Saul didn't do one little thing that God said Saul did a bunch of stuff God told him to do he messed up and and God said because you've done this you're done it's over for you and it, it should make you wonder if you don't know the answer it should make you wonder how does David get away with with eight Eight marriages and, and multiple divorces. How does David get away with murder? How does David get away with, with uh, adultery and, and, and all, all the things that he did? How does he get away with that? And he, listen, David, after being the most scandalous human being you could imagine, the Bible says, died of a good old age and full of years. He died beside his bed. Well, guess who rubbing his head? The same woman. That he cheated on uh, and killed her husband. He, now, I'm not saying that's a format. That's, going to help somebody Amen. that's not a format for success. I, let me tell you, what is a format for success? Saul was full of himself. And his love and belief in himself. David was full of God and his love and belief in God. And whereas Saul was stiff-necked, when when he was going in the wrong way, he just set his face hard and kept pushing. And that leads to disaster. David was rubber-necked. When he was going the wrong way, he'd whip around and turn right back to God. And some people in this room, you're either stiff-necked or you're rubber-necked. You either refuse to get right when you know you're wrong and you just, you, you, just, you, you just charge like a like, like a crazy person or you turn around and go back to God. Or you do like some of us. You charge your head like a crazy person, then you turn around and go back to God. Everybody's in a different stage of their process, but we see a great truth in Psalm 51 through David's situation. It, this psalm tells us the prayer that he prayed to God after he sinned with Bathsheba. If you don't know the story, David's hanging out. All, all, all the men have gone to war. Bible said David was supposed to go with them, but he decided to kick back and hang back. He wasn't working hard, and he saw another man's wife, and he decided, I got to have that, so he had it. Uh, she got pregnant. He didn't want the world to know. Uh, sound, sound like a couple of local preachers I know. Um, y'all don't believe me? And it is real. I, I've never understood that. Uh, hey, the only woman that ever had a baby for me is in heaven right now. Uh, but that's just a good thing to know. Um, he he doesn't want the world, he do not want the scandal, so he has her husband killed in battle, and then he marries her thinking we, if we hurry up, you know, people don't have good math. Listen, if, if you were born in August and your parents got married in May... Do the math. If you were born in August and your parents got married in January and you're believing, well, you were early. No, they were early. Y'all didn't all get that, but that was funny. So, David has done some horrible thing. And in this, in this particular horrible thing that he did, he comes to God and God records his prayer for us. And I want to see inside this scripture how we can recover from a messed up situation even when it's our fault because there's a pattern not what he did up to this place that that's not to be followed but the pattern the format for making a turnaround is to be followed from this and I have been so in this over the last couple of days myself personally and I debated whether or not to even get into it. Wednesday night, I had a bad night. Uh, Wednesday, I, I, I'd been going through a lot of things personally. Uh, I should have called and had somebody else come in and preach then I went through a couple other things once I got here and I got in my feelings. Anybody ever gotten their feelings before? Anybody ever dumped a Bible over on the ground and thrown a microphone in church before? Oh that's just me. Um, <laughs> Mentally, yeah, thank you. Um, Still dealing with this. Seth's home vomiting, so pray for him. You gotta love the word "vomit" used in public. Um, (coughs) But I thought it looked better if he did that at home, (laughs) instead of in the sanctuary. Uh, You're welcome. But I got in my feelings and I I, I responded in 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 a a horrible way Wednesday night. I thank God I didn't throw nothing at anybody or, or put my hands on anything, but. Uh, I, w- I was ashamed and I was embarrassed of my actions. Um, I do not uh, want to be the type of person that blows up o- over silly things. The Bible says that we are to show self-control. Amen. And I didn't do that. And honestly, uh, for those of y'all that were here, um, I thank God for you. I, I believe it was just the will of God and, and people's prayers because af- a- after getting in my feelings, all I really wanted to do, and I told Mr. C on the phone, all I really wanted to do was, was, was just walk out and get in my car and drive away and duck my head and, and run. And a lot of times that's the easiest thing to do when you mess up publicly. And Hey, when you stand up in front of people as much as I do, when you talk as much as I do, there, there, there's going to there's gonna be some times where uh, the sun don't shine on your best side. And so I, I stayed and people stayed, and um, I asked people, forgiveness, but then I had to deal with this, and I went home that night and just beat myself up all Wednesday night for getting in my feelings and, and for re- reacting and responding uh, the way I did. Um, it, it was uncalled for, and I, and, uh, I had made apologies to people, but then I had to deal with God, and I want you to know that that is the proper thing to do, and I want to see how David did it so I can show you how I do it, so you can learn how you can do it. And, and hopefully you don't ever throw a microphone on the ground and uh, want to run out of church. But uh, keep your hands off the microphone. That won't have to happen. So let's look through this. We're going to go through it together. We're going to look at this psalm, and I want you to learn something. Say, learn something. Okay, so in the first two verses, David pleads for forgiveness. In verse 1, he says, have mercy upon me, comma. Always pay attention to the punctuation. Take the scripture in bite-sized pieces, digest it. He said, have mercy upon me, O God. He's asking the right person to forgive the right person. See, most people, when they're in a messed up situation, they're not asking for God's mercy on their own life. They're asking for God's punishment on somebody else's life. See, here's what I found out. I've learned this in church, and if you stick around long enough and you pay attention, you'll learn this too. When something bad happens to religious fake church folk they claim it's the devil messing with them so true. because they're so holy and anointed and their 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 destiny is so high and strong and powerful that the devil's just trying to hold them down but when something bad happens to someone they don't like they say that's god judging them for their foolishness they, they, some of y'all hadn't been in church long enough to have met those those kind of people uh and and you got to realize that there's God involved and there is the devil involved, but let it be for them what it needs to be for them, and you figure out what it needs to be for you, because if we learn how to concentrate on our own lives, we spend less time judging other people and we spend less time staying stuck where we are. So David comes in raw. I call this butt naked honesty, because the scripture says we are all naked. Before him with whom we have to do. There's no excuses with God. There's no hiding behind anything with God. It's just all right there. So David comes in butt naked honesty and says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. I love how he turns it to that. Because he knows that God's love is immense. He knows that God's love covers all sin. So he, he's, he's feeling bad for what he's done. He, 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 he's, he's upset about what he's done. He's going to make it right. He's going to God. And he does not appeal to his own goodness. See, this is what most people do. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. That wasn't much like me. They, they, them, them. And he doesn't do that. He says, he, he, he says it's for him, and it's because of God's loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, and then he asked God to blot out his transgressions. I got good news for you this morning. If you ever sin in your life and you go to God humbly and you ask God to cleanse you and forgive you of your sins, he will do it. Yes, he will. Yeah. That's better news than, than y'all want to admit it. He goes on in verse 2 and says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, typically, if you're listening to someone talk or you even read their writings and they say, I, 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 me, 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 my, 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 they are usually focusing on themselves too much. But in this case, he is not focusing on himself too much. He is putting it right where it belongs. He said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin you see when we have failed God when we have transgressed God's commandment when we have come short of God's best we need to be thoroughly washed and cleansed this is why salvation is so great this is why I believe most people want to get back to the place in their life where they first got saved I have people tell me that all the time I just wish I could be as happy as I was when I first got saved well the thing about first getting saved is you feel clean before God. You have the weight of the world lifted off you because you realize God took your sin, your stain, and your shame. But then as life goes on, you keep stumbling. We all keep stumbling and, and getting back up. And But we don't always get washed thoroughly. Sometimes we hold on to the shame or the stain. We We don't always get cleansed completely. Sometimes we... Hold on to the, 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 the problem where at, whereby we beat ourselves up with it. Anybody ever been there? All right, let's keep moving. Uh, after verse 2, David confesses his guilt. Listen to verse 3. For I recognize my rebellion. Semicolon. Pause on the punctuation. He's still in mine. He's not blaming other people. Listen, when you get into you. Honestly, before God, and admit where you are with God, you can get help. Can somebody say amen? amen. He said, I recognize my rebellion because it was everybody else's fault, and they made me do it, and if they hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that, and they started it, but I finished it. And every other lie that people tell themselves, David's not going down that road. David is being honest with He said, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. I was, I, was, I was so upset when I went home Wednesday night. I didn't sleep. I, I, uh, my, my sister's calling me, you know, sending me uh, God loves you verses from the Bible. And I'm like, I just want to crawl under a rock. Uh, and, but I had to deal with my situation. And I'm trying to be transparent with you this morning so you can deal with your situation. Because David dealt with his situation. Trying to deal with other people. As long as you're concentrating on, on somebody who doesn't love God as much as you do, you're going to think you're okay. Amen. When the scripture says, as I told you, we're all naked before him with whom we have to do. He said, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. He is not justifying anything here. He's not saying why it was that way. He, and listen, there's always a reason. There is. There is always a reason and, and, but it, it doesn't always justify the activity. So true. There's always a reason. Nobody wants to be ignorant. Nobody wants to embarrass themselves. Nobody wants to do something in in, in front of people that they love that, that is contrary to the, the character that they want to portray. There's always a reason why that happens. It, it, you know. It, whatever whatever it is, the job, the kids, the spouse, the weather, the lumbago, I still don't know what that is. Don't email me. I don't want to know what it is. The 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 bunions, what whatever it is, there's always a reason that you can give or that I can give. But listen, it still doesn't justify improper activity. So it it's not that you don't have a reason for your mess up, because there's always a reason. Uh I, we have a comedian we saw on TV. He, he did something. He was acting crazy, getting lost his temper, and he, and he yelled at his wife, um, I, this, this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This is who I became. This, this isn't who I want to be. This is what I'm going through. And I thought, wow, there's some truth in that. When, when people act contrary to their character, that's not who they want to be. That, 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 that's, that's, who, that's who they allowed themselves to become in the pressure vault. That's who they allowed themselves to become in the moment. So there's a reason, but the reason doesn't justify the bad activity. So so don't, don't act like, well, I had a reason to do what I everybody's got a reason to do what they do. The, the number, one, number one terrorist group in America, Antifa, they say they have a reason for what they do. It doesn't justify beating people up for a difference of opinion. It doesn't justify vandalism and, and, and throwing rocks at people. Everybody has a reason for what they do. Turn the air on. It's hot in here. Um, thank you. But it doesn't justify improper activity. Here's what I want you to get if you don't get anything else. We have no justification for sinful behavior. I didn't say we didn't have a reason. I didn't say they didn't deserve it. I didn't say any of those things. But the reality is if we start going for who deserves what, we're all in trouble. Because I don't want what I deserve. I want what David was looking for. I want mercy, loving kindness, tender mercy. I, I want forgiveness. I want washing. I want cleansing. Because here's what I know. And I know this for me. I don't know it for you. And, 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 and I, I should have just let Dina preach today because uh, crying with me on the phone, she said, I just wish that people knew your heart yes. and how deep your repentance was uh, over anything. And I, I can tell you for a real Christian, um, they, they, there, is a, there is a recognition of wrongdoing. And if you allow it to. I'm not saying it's God's plan because it's not. But if you allow it to, it will haunt you day and night. It will haunt you day and night. The enemy will use this to tear you apart On the inside. There are people who are still haunted by being molested as a child because they haven't let God cleanse them from that that pain. There are people that are still haunted from abortions they had a year ago, 10, 20 years ago, because they haven't let God cleanse them and heal them from that pain. And David is in his process right now. And listen, before I got saved, I'm going to tell you this straight up. I had no conscience. I had this much conscience. People are like, everybody's born with a conscience on the inside. Well, if I had one, it wasn't talking to me. It wasn't talking. I never heard it. I never felt guilty over anything I ever did. I, when I broke into people's houses and stole their stuff, I, I, I felt just like Rocket on Guardians of the Galaxy. I wanted it more than they did, so I took it. <laughs> Ain't that what he said? I, they, they had it. I, I wanted it. So... I never felt bad about it. I never bought gas my senior year in high school. This was before they put springs inside of the the, the tube that goes down into your gas tank. I used to, I carried around three five-gallon gas cans with me in the back of my car and a siphon tube. And every night, and we used to hit cop cars on the regular because we thought that was cool. You, you go fill up, you get the, on, on, on that free taxpayer gas, you come out in the morning, you're 15 gallons short. Why? Because someone with no conscience just hits you for your 15 gallons. And I figured, you know, better to take it from them. They don't have to pay for it. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of this. We used to hit churches because we knew they ain't coming out no time soon. Catch somebody parked back in. Y'all keep backing in. Y'all helping criminals. All y'all yeah, smooth folk. Y'all like to back in. Uh, to, yeah, we walk right alongside the ditch laying up on your car. Nobody ever even see us. You pull in. They got to walk around. I'm just trying to help y'all with, with some little react. Uh, not, not how to get thieved. I didn't feel bad. I didn't lay in bed thinking, what kind of low life am I? Stealing from hardworking. Uh, never bothered me. I didn't think about it at all, but I can tell you this. From the moment I got saved, every, every time that I ever have sinned, rebelled, transgressed against God, if, if I didn't deal with it immediately, it has haunted me day and night. Yeah. This is the life of the believer. You're like, well, I don't want to be a believer. Well, there's hell's your option. So let's keep going. In verse 4, he said, against you and you alone have I sinned. I still don't see any Flip Wilson in this thing, uh, y'all. Some of y'all older. You got to be older than fifty to remember Flip. What what Flip say? The devil made me do it. No, that's not it. Well, actually, I think Josephine said the devil made me do it. Was it Flip or Josephine? Y'all sure? But who was Josephine? There we go. So no 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 blame game here. He's not pushing this off. He's not he's not saying it, it's their fault. It's the system's fault. It's the politician's fault. It's the current administration's fault. No, he's saying against you and you alone have I sinned. Now, I see uniqueness in that because it doesn't make sense. And if you read the Bible long enough, you are going to come upon things that don't make sense, listen, to you. It makes perfect sense to God, and it's true and it's right, but sometimes it's like, Uh, From a human perspective, because, like, the guy that David had killed because he knocked up the man's wife was an honorable man named Uriah. And uh, if I'm that dude's brother and I hear David praying this against God alone, you killed my brother. Did you send it to him? Did you, do y'all follow me on that? Yeah, you messed up a bunch of lives in this process. There's family to get involved in this pain. Listen, hear this good. Pain trickles, not just down. It trickles down. It trickles up, left, right, sideways, in circles. Pain spreads. If you hurt someone, that pain spreads out all around them. And, and, and what I've seen for years, and, and this is the real trick of the devil, more times than not, the person that had the pain put on them, if they're saved, they recover quicker than the people around them. Don't be, feeling, don't be upset for somebody else. Let somebody else deal with that. You deal with you, all right? Mm, That's better than you heard it, but I'm going to keep moving. He said, I've done what is evil in your sight. Well, this is just butt-naked truth right here. This is just uh, no excuses, no whole bar. Throw. Listen, if you know you're guilty and, and you don't want to do the time, you can't not do the crime because that's already done. If you know you're guilty and you're standing in front of a judge that can give you some real time, you can play innocent if you want to and end up get, and, and getting the, the, the full nine. Or, or, or you can throw yourself on. If you know the judge is merciful and lenient, you, you, you throw yourself on that type of person's mercy. David knew the mercy and the leniency of God, and he is not trying to fake it or put it on somebody else. He said, I've done what's evil in your sight. Well, what about in Bathsheba's family's sight? What about in the sight of the family of the man that got killed? What about in the sight of all these people that served David because he said he loved God more than they did? Now, don't you think he did some evil in their sight too? But you got to first get right with God, because let me tell you something: haters are always going to hate, and lovers are always going to love. Amen. Y'all didn't hear that good enough. Listen to me: haters are already always going to hate, and lovers are always going to love. And and you, some people can't be pleased. And uh, what's the, what's that one cliche? I don't know. It's something about somebody minds and they don't matter. But if they matter, they don't mind. And if they love you, they'll love you. And if they don't, they don't. Whatever it says, you got to deal with your situation with God first. Because the ones that are with you are going to be with you. But you got to get right with God. Everybody else should come along in in lockstep and some of y'all are holding hostage yourself to other, what other people have done to you i, I did not say you're holding them hostage you're holding yourself hostage be, because you've locked yourself in unforgiveness and offense i'm, I'm so tired of people being, now listen there's people who had a right to be offended wednesday night and and that's why i apologize and i've spoken to some on the phone since then and uh they had a right to be offended but they didn't have a right to stay offended no one has a right to stay offended. And, and it's, it's a fool's game to walk in offense. It's a fool's game to stay offended because you hurt yourself. You hurt yourself in your relationship with everyone that you care about. And like I've told you many times in the past, I've never seen anybody stay offended at themselves. Well, Elder Jimmy offended me, and I just don't know if I can ever shake his hand again. What well, can you lay down in the bed besides yourself after all you've done? You, can you look at yourself in the mirror when you brush your teeth after all you? You say, people don't get offended at their own level of, of ridiculousness. They just want to blast off on somebody else. Listen, we got to get right with God for ourselves, and we got to let other people make their own decision for what they're going to do. David is dealing with him and with God. Yes, other people were affected, but the sin is to be dealt with With God in an honest fashion. He said, you will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. I want you to know that that God is going to open up the books in heaven at at the judgment one day. And lost people are going to be proven why they cannot come into heaven. Everybody's going to be proven through these books. These books are going to say that you sinned and you deserve eternal Punishment, But because you applied the blood of the spotless lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, to your sin, God is going to override your punishment. If you haven't done that, the only speech you will get, here's the book, turn it around, there you are sinning, there's hell. You say, well, that's cold. No, that's hot. <laughs> and to be avoided. And you shouldn't go through that. David is dealing with God because he, he's telling God, when you judge me, I, 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 you're right. You're right. You, your judgment of me is true. Your judgment of me is correct. It's just because he recognized. See, I've told people for years, it's not hard to lead someone to Christ. It's hard to get them to admit they need Christ. Once somebody admits that they're a sinner, once somebody admits that, that, that they know they've done wrong and they need, they need salvation, it's easy from there because God has opened their eyes to their situation. Y'all cold now? We got people fanning and people shivering. Yeah. Hallelujah. <coughs> and I'm still trying to get over this, this thing that's attacking my body. Uh, look, look, look at verse 5. David said, For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, this, this right here is, is a verse that a lot of people use uh, to, to bash abortions. And I'm never going to stand in an abortion clinic picket line. I'm, that's just not my thing. Uh, I, I, I've seen too many saved women just dealing with nightmares and horror for that. I, I, I'm not bashing uh, that. But this does clearly say that from the time David was conceived, he had a sin nature. You wonder why that baby doing all that kicking? My body, my choice, you in there kicking yourself? Listen, why well, don't value one sin higher than the other. I don't value, I don't say, I mean, the Bible says if you committed one, you're guilty of breaking them all. But I'm not going to lie and, and, and say that, that good is uh, bad or bad is good. Um, America has not, not only, America is not only losing its way, America has lost its way. This, this past month, the state of New York and uh, people all across the country celebrated uh, a woman's right to choose by uh, passing a law. The governor of New York signed a law that, that says that up till the moment of delivery, if the mother decides to change her mind, the fetus can be terminated. Don't you love that language? The fetus can no, the baby can be murdered because here's how they do it. And you can see it online. I don't recommend that you do because it's gross beyond description uh, and evil. They take a scalpel and they stab it through the baby's soft head and they kill the baby and then they pull it out and throw it in the dumpster. Termination of the fetus. That's sick all by itself. Virginia and and I, hey, hopefully this dude you know gets booted this dude is pushing now how, how many trimesters can there be that's what that word means he's, he's there's a law going about to be passed in Virginia right now called fourth trimester abortion and that means if the baby has been delivered and it's laying there uh fresh delivered and the family decides nah we don't want that one Kill a delivered... Look it up. This this is where America has come. And and listen, the argument for years was, as long as it's in my body, I have a right to decide what to do with it. Well, I got issues with that because David said that uh, he was... Uh, a sinner from the time he was conceived. Uh, Jer- God told Jeremiah that I knew you when you were in your mother's belly. Yeah, Jeremiah was a person in a belly. But, you know, whatever, whatever, people are going to do their, their own thing, and this is not the issue of the day. But I want to tell you something. When, when you start justifying, oh, it, it's laying uh, uh, in, 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 in the bucket next to you, and you're like, hmm, college is too expensive. They're saying, or birth defect. Listen, you, I, I, saw, I saw this kid, this kid with Down syndrome. He's a grown man now. He gave one of the best speeches to Congress I've ever seen. He said, please don't abort people because they have Down syndrome because my life matters too and I love my life. I thought, now that is awesome. But not in Virginia. Not in Virginia. Uh, not in New York. But let's get back on to David. Uh, listen, uh, my opinion, my opinion, that that, 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 that growing thing inside a, a, a body is not the woman's body because it can be taken out, but the woman still has her body. Well, I can give up my appendix. Well, that's your appendix. You can't give up the baby's appendix while the baby's, uh, that's just my thing. Now, why, why don't we stand publicly as a church against abortion? Same reason we don't stand publicly as a church against not reading your Bible every day. We we're just going to make a list. Uh, we're uh, we, we going to make a list. We stand against people who don't pray for four hours every day. Well, I mean, we're going to thin the ranks out ridiculously and, and put a standard out there no one can get. No matter what you've done in your life, I want you to have a Psalm 51 moment, well, and we all are guilty. Can somebody say amen? amen? He said in verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part, You will make me to know wisdom. Now here, he starts moving into the character, the nature, the desire of God. He's dealt with what he's done. Now he starts dealing with what God expects. He said, you desire truth on the inside. That's that real get down to the nitty gritty truth. That's that's that just tear your chest open and be honest truth. That's no couching it, no hiding it, don't flavor it, don't spin it. Truth, He said, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. The reason why some people come to church their whole lives and never really truly get close to God is because they never dealt with the inward part. Oh, that's good. They let some outside things change. You, you might stop drinking as much. You might stop smoking, cussing. You might stop whoring around. You, uh, you might st- Change some. You might start adding church to your schedule. You might come to a men's group or a women's group. You, you might put a little few dollars or a lot of dollars in, in the bucket. That's all external stuff. God wants to deal with us on the inside where all that yuck is. I worked in a hospital. When I was in college, I worked in a, a hospital. My, Dana did too. My mom was running it. That's how we got jobs. <laughs> And, and people are like that's so evil that wicked nepotism uh would you hire your children if you could yep. let's keep going stop 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 falling for everything politicians say working at a hospital my mom worked in the emergency room and in the intensive care unit the surgical and the medical intensive care unit and i got to witness some really horrible things and i don't want to gross you out this morning but can i tell you the insides Stink. You ever be somewhere where somebody gets spread open? Guts is na I mean, hey, y'all eat chitlins. Y'all better stop. It, uh, the, it, it, the yuck is on the inside. And God wants to deal with that yuck. Too many people are so good at hiding the yuck with the external appearance. Hiding the yuck with, with, with words and, 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 and with fakery that doesn't really expose who they are. But David rightly says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God wants truth on the inside. Because that's where he's going to make us to know wisdom. Uh, I, I want you to understand before we get into verse 7 that there's a real difference between conviction and condemnation. David's dealing with a bunch of stuff. And he's feeling bad, like any good Christian should. And he's hurting on the inside. He's feeling haunted day and night. He's crying uh, in in, in the middle of the night. and, And he's calling out to God because he's under conviction. All right, what is conviction? Conviction is in the life of a Christian. When you do something wrong, the Holy Spirit tells you that was wrong and you feel bad about it. Anybody agree with that? Okay, well, let me show you what is not conviction. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction comes from God through the Holy Spirit. Don't miss this part. This is going to help you. Condemnation comes from the devil. Conviction is specific. Condemnation is general. Conviction deals with the sin. Condemnation affects you as a person. See, conviction from the Holy Spirit says you should not have done that thing that you did because that thing that you did was wrong. That's the way God brings conviction. Let me tell you the way the devil destroys people in condemnation. You are no good. You stink. You can't do anything right. You blew it in front of everybody. Everybody hates you. You, You're never going to be what you thought. All attacking the person. God doesn't attack the person in conviction. He attacks the sin. And the sin should be dealt with. Because here's the thing. You can deal with the sin. But you're still you. So you got to learn that God loves you and allows you to get cleaned up so you don't walk into this trap of condemnation. Well, I can't forgive myself. Well, your forgiveness should, should be predicated on what God says about you. So if God says that you're clean, then you're clean. If, if God says you pass, then you pass. When, I, I used to hate running in the Army, uh, but I had to do it. And we had to do it at, at the very lowest. You had to do it, run, 18, you had to run 18 minutes, uh, two miles in 18 minutes. That's easy to do. Anybody could do that. Um, but I hated it. I hate, there were literally people who would finish. We had a guy in our unit. He was a rodeo bull riding cowboy, smoked three packs of marble in a red box every day, and was a blind drunk, just, just drinking all the time. And this guy ran two miles in less than 11 minutes every single week. And then he would would sit on the side and smoke a cigarette and say, I should have done it faster. (laughs) If I wasn't smoking these cancer sticks, I probably could have got under 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, you're beating yourself up for an 11, two-minute mile. I'm dragging in here at 1357, and you're you're over there grinding. Listen, if the the man says you passed, be glad you passed. If God says you're clean, be glad that you're clean because the devil wants to keep you uh, not disgusted with sin but disgusted with yourself. And I've been there. And that's not the place God wants his children. Deal with the sin and realize that God loves you. Uh, Moving forward, David prays for pardon and restoration. Verse 7 he said, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. (laughs) That's good news right there. I, I want you to understand, David is going to the right source with the right mindset, the right words for the right activity and action. He asked God to purify him from his sins because he knows the result of that I will be clean. Now, I told you, pain spreads. I told you, when you do something bad to somebody, all their people get upset and get mad. Pain spreads. And so David said, "If God, if you purify me from my sins, I will be clean. Well, what about the family member, the man you had killed? Are they looking at you as clean? Not at all. Uh, what, what, about, what about the woman? You, you, you made her. Come lay. When the king sends people for you to come into his bedchamber, uh, no, don't mean no, because there ain't no telling King David no in that day and age. And he he took this woman uh, to himself. He violated her, killed her husband. Uh, but he says, God, if you make me clean, I will be clean. Because the reality is, it's God's opinion that we need to be concerned with ultimately. And then we have to try to deal with everything else as well. You can't have, a real Christian wouldn't be like, well, God has forgiven me. I don't care what they think. No, the Bible demands reconciliation. The Bible demands restitution. The Bible demands going and making it right. But the beginning point is the one whom you've most offended. If I went out there while y'all were all singing and I slashed Elder Jimmy's four tires, and, and I keyed every side of his vehicle, I would have done him wrong. But my ultimate sin and need for forgiveness at the highest level would be God first. Some of y'all are like, not if you key my car, dog. <laughs> <laughs> you pray God protect you. He will. David said, if you cleanse me, I will be clean. He said, wash me, and I will be whiter than snow forgiveness only comes from one place we need to forgive each other but whether we do or we don't we have to be forgiven by God your lack of forgiving someone else can't keep them out of heaven but God's lack of forgiving us can keep us all out of heaven and this is why the priority is shown on God verse 80 said oh give me back my joy again semicolon so pause on that give me back my joy again So if, let's let's just think out loud like it's Wednesday night Bible study. If King David says, give me back my joy again, that tells us he had something before that he don't have now. What is it? He had joy. He had joy of being close to Jehovah. He had joy of a personal deep relationship with God, and he wasn't feeling it anymore. See, some of y'all don't feel enough. So some of y'all never never really felt close to God, and you need to keep pressing your way till you get that, because David had been there. He said, you have broken me. Now let me rejoice. This convicting process without condemning is painful. Do you hear me? Holy Ghost conviction without, even without, if the devil, condemnation is unbearable. Condemnation leads to suicide, depression, breakdown, uh, falling out of church forever, giving up on everything you ever called holy. Condemnation leads to that. But conviction leads to breaking you down. And then he says to the only person that can really help him, now let me rejoice. Now let me rejoice he wanted to get back to where he needed to be in verse 9 he said don't keep looking at my sins now this is in in our language that looks like a command but it's really a request Uh, it's translated in this version don't keep looking at my sins but it is structured dramatically in the hebrew as a request don't 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 hate me that, 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 that's not a command. If I say don't hate me, I'm telling you what to do. Structurally, grammatically, it's a command. But the inflection of the heart shows it's a desire. Do you follow that? He's not bossing God around. He's expressing a deep desire. Oh, don't, don't, don't keep looking at my sins. Uh, I'm, I'm already guilty. I already told you that. Don't 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 just judge me for my sins. It sounds like a command, but uh, you need to understand it's a request. He says, remove the stain of my guilt. That's a desire. Now, if David says, remove the stain of my guilt, guess what guilt has? Stain. This is why some people never feel the joy of the Lord. Because they hold on to their own guilt, and they see that stain. They see that stain. One One of the greatest things that my, my bishop ever told me uh, because I am harder on me than on anybody else. That's why Dina was on full-blown suicide watch. Uh, God God loves you. Uh, uh, just uh, just m- making sure I, my head was on right because the, the, the stain p- people wear from their guilt. And, and Bishop told me one time, he said, Man, Scott, you just beat yourself up over everything. He said, and it makes you preach too hard. And and beat people up from the pulpit because you're always beating yourself up. Here's what you need to do. Stop worrying about what people think about you. I said, well, yeah, you're right. He said, no, listen, let me tell you the rest of it. Stop worrying about what people think about you. Because for the most part, they don't. And that's when I realized that this guilt... And this over-examination uh, of stain and failure is nothing more than pride on display. Thinking that everybody, they're, they're, all, they're all talking about but They're probably all on the phone right now. No, they're probably at home smoking a joint and getting drunk. <laughs> Not real Christians. Real Christians at home having sex with their spouse if they had one. Real Christians are home reading their Bible. But this stain. See, you, people, here, here's the condemnation of the devil. And this is why some people will never go back. This is why some of y'all are here now. You, 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 just feel you, were too, you were too guilty in your stain to show your face back to your last pastor. I can't walk back in there. Mm. Why? I'm not saying kick the door in. <laughs> tell them I'm back. But if that's God's plan, here's what's crazy. Do you know that every person who names the name of Christ is commanded to forgive you no matter what you do? That ought to be a t-shirt. You must forgive me now.
1: Well,
0: what Tupac say? Only God can judge. We're busy judging each other. Now, the reality is we're commanded. Here, here's the crazy thing. people, It's so funny because you know they don't really know the Bible. Once, once they say, judge not, least ye be judged. Well, that word's lest. Look it up. So I know you don't know how, how the scripture goes. But if you read where it says to not judge others, it gives the context of don't judge others while you're jacked up. Don't judge others while you have, who have a splinter in their eye while you have a giant stick in your eye. It says get the stick out of your eye and then go judge them. Oh. Paul told the Corinthians, spiritual people judge everything. But we don't withhold forgiveness. We, we, we don't exact a standard on people that God doesn't. He's, he, he, tells, he tells God, please don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Now, see, here, here's, here's the thing um, called the upward view and the downward view. Theologically, the uh, theologians talk about uh, the, the, the upward view or the downward view. We see things as it relates to us looking up at God. God sees things as it relates to him looking down on us. Those are two totally different topographical pictures. Those are two totally different paradigms, uh, and sometimes the, 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 the scenery looks different because David is feeling guilty, he's feeling stained up, he's feeling dirty, and he's asking God not to keep looking at his sins. Well, God is, is, is the only God who said, I've already forgiven your sins. I've cast your sins as far away as the east is from the west. And, and, and people love, love to get, you know, trendy and say it, and it's real. Uh, you know, if you start going east, you'll always be going east. You can go all the way around the world, a hundred times, a thousand times, you'll still be going east. But if you start going north, eventually you'll be going south. That's why he didn't say as far as the north is from the south, because there's no end to going east. There's no end to going west. That's how far God has removed his children from their sin, if they would but Ask him. But the, re- the reality remains, until you deal with your sins, you're going to have guilt, and guilt has stain. And here's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to think everybody knows everything you've done. Here's what the devil wants you to think. Everybody knows what you did, and they all hate you. Everybody knows what you did, and, and they're all judging you. Why? Because that stain is so obvious at you when you look at yourself. We can't see your stain until you put it on display. We can't see your stain until you walk in it. We can't see your shame until you shame yourself. And when you shame yourself and expose your stain, everybody that's a real Christian says, I forgave you right when it happened. Verse 10, and, and, and this, is, this is the verse that... I, i love this verse this is the most quoted verse out of this psalm verse 10 says create in me a clean heart oh yeah. god and renew a right spirit within me he said create in me a clean heart now if you're asking god to create in you a clean heart how do you feel about your heart it ain't clean you feel like your heart is not clean See, this, this is why sensitive kids need more, uh, more affection and, 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 and more compliments and need more validation because if, if they're always seeing themselves as failing you, then, then you have to over-remind them how great they are. You have to over-remind them that mommy never looks at you that way, daddy would never think that way about you, where, where, whereas... You know, more hard-charging kids like, I know my dad loves me. I broke it. He'll get over it. (laughs) And that's just what happens. And because parents don't look at their own children as horrible until they get to be teenagers. Now, some mothers forget that. Some mothers, they're still forgiving their 30-year-old. 17th time, he broke in my house and stole my TV. But I love him. I love him. He wouldn't have a key to my house, and he'd be in prison. Steal my television. You better get your hands off my Samsung. You don't know me that well. (laughs) When children are little, we forgive them for everything. We see everything they do. It's so funny to me, man, and y'all, y'all get it. Y'all have y'all's amount of friends. That uh, th- think about this though: over 17, almost 18 years, pastoring this church, tens of thousands of people coming out of here. Half of them still calling me their pastor, even though they don't go here anymore. Still call me when they get in a train wreck to 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 come uh, help them. Um, and and I I see a larger view of families than most people do, because everybody, your friends bring their problems to you, and you have to deal with them, but everybody don't, and they do that with me, and it just blows me away how many parents, legit, I'm talking about could pass a lie detector, legit think their children are prodigies. (laughs) If everybody's kid was that special, that wouldn't even be a word. That would be normal. It's crazy to me how parents just always, their, their, their child could be the worst reader in the world In the whole classroom, their child reads a sentence and they're like, My baby's such a good reader. To you. Why? Because you've already decided you love that child. Hey, listen, if the shoe fits, wear it. It's amazing to me how many people think their kids look good. Ain't she pretty? She's something, ain't she? She is something else. I can't even begin to tell you how pretty that child is. But I think I saw its cousin on Alien versus Predator. Parents see the best. These crazy parents see the best. I'm thinking, you know, once they get past thirteen, they done made you mad enough enough time. Start seeing the truth. These parents, these sixteen-year-old psychotic children, go go into a church full of decent people and shoot up a church and family talking about he was such a good boy. He was the devil. I never spared Ray Ray to do nothing like that. All them years he spent with Pookie and them, you didn't expect Ray-Ray was going to be selling crack? They don't see it. Why? Because they don't look at their child with stain and shame. They look at their child through the loving eyes of a parent who sees the very best in them. And I want you to understand that if you'll be honest and right with God, he will see you as the child that he loves and he will see the very best in you. God didn't see David with a dirty heart. David saw David with a dirty heart. God, God wasn't wrecking David's spirit. David was wrecking his own spirit. He wasn't walking in that mercy that he believed in. He wasn't walking in the grace that he believed in because he wasn't there yet. Because he had a process to go through. He had to get honest. He had to open up. He had to deal with the truth, the pain, the shame, and the stain. Verse 11, he said, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Two things he asked. These aren't commands. These are are requests. Cast me not away from your presence. He loved knowing that he could be close to God. And he didn't want to lose that. And he thought that his blunder had caused him. To not be able to be as close to God, and the devil wants everyone to believe that. Well, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never do it now. Now you you, you messed up, uh, and that's why we say God's not the God of another. The second chance, He's the God of another chance. But then He says, "Take not your Holy Spirit from me." I've told you before. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was not given to all believers. Jesus said in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus told His disciples that I am going to die. By crucifixion, I'm going to be buried, and I will raise myself from the dead on the third day. They didn't want Jesus to leave. He said, I understand that. But after I go, God will send a comforter through the Holy Spirit, and he will not just be with you as I've been with you, but he'll be inside you. So after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of God's followers. In the Old Testament, the Scripture says the Spirit would come on a person, they would do great exploits and the Spirit would leave them. So it was a visitation. See, there's still churches asking God to visit their uh, service. We, we don't need a visitation from the Lord. We need a habitation from the Lord. We don't need God to visit us. We need Him to inhabit us. And, but David was different The only person in the Old Testament, you win this on a trivia game if you remember this, there's only one person in the Old Testament who always had God's spirit. It didn't come and go on him. The Bible said that the spirit remained on David through all his stuff. So he is from the bottom looking up, please don't throw me away and please don't take your spirit from me. God's looking down, I've loved you since before you were born and I'm never going to leave you. You see this upward and this downward look, we gotta agree with what God says. Yes, yes. Don't let your mind beat you up, don't let people beat you up. Agree with what God says. In verse 12, he said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Couple things you need to see here. Those of y'all been around long enough should be able to preach this for me. If he says that he wants God to restore the joy of his salvation, what what did his salvation bring to him? Joy. He had joy from, he said, your salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. This is what the scripture says. Salvation belongs to the Lord, is wrought by the Lord, is procured by the Lord, is bought by the Lord, and is given by the Lord. If you have salvation at all, that ain't your salvation. That's God's salvation that he gave to you. You can't earn salvation. You can be given, you can receive salvation. And he, he see David, David's getting his theology right here. He's saying, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, being saved in you. And then he said, And make me willing to obey you. Here's a little secret for y'all, this is a little extra for y'all. If you get right with God, if you let god take that stain and that shame off you if you see yourself the way god sees you he he, he not only will create in you a clean heart renew a right spirit in you he, he not only will stay close to you through his presence and and fill you with his spirit he will make you willing to obey him you, do you know why some people ha- uh, can quit a habit and stay quit while other people quit and pick it up and quit and pick it up and quit and pick it up and rehab and backslide, and rehab and fall back. Why some people pass through while other, people's, other people stay stuck is because some people are trying to make themselves obey God instead of allowing God to be so close to them that he causes them to have a desire to obey them. If you have a desire to obey God, it's because God made you willing to obey him. If you have a desire to read your scripture, God gave you that desire to read your scripture. Don't squash it. Don't take it for granted. Feed it. Nurture it. If you have a desire to pray, it's because God gave you a willingness to obey him when he said to pray at all times. So even the, even the want to obey God comes from God. Well, what do we do? We receive it or we reject it. That's our part. You receive God's love or you reject it. You receive God's spirit or you reject it. You receive God's willingness to obey Him or you reject it. And and, and one of the key ways people reject it, Man, I'll i forgive him. I ain't never gonna forget it. That's not forgiveness. That, that's not God. That's not how God treats us. The Bible says that Je- Jesus said uh, in His uh, model prayer in, in the Gospel of Matthew that if you don't forgive others their sins, God won't forgive you of yours. You're going to reap what you sow. And he's saying, man, I want to want to obey you. I want to obey you more than I want to obey myself. I need you to give me that. And you need to ask God to give you the want to. But the only way you can get there is to get butt naked honest with him and deal with the real issues. After that, David promises to be a witness to others and to praise God. Verse 13, he said, then. When is then? Then is always after. Something has to happen before then or you can't get to then. Then, he said, after all that stuff, after you wash me, after you cleanse me, after you give me joy again, after you create a clean heart in me, after you renew a right spirit in me, after you assure me of your presence and and get me in my right joy, then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. The reason most people can't effectively share their faith is because they're walking in their guilt. Uh The reason most people can't effectively share their faith is because they're walking in their stain and their shame. The reason most people can't effectively share their faith is because they're petrified that someone will say to them, well, who are you to talk to me about holiness? I know you. And and, and, And they haven't been taught to tell that person, you know the old me. I'm a new person now. God has changed me. And when I fail, he picks me up. You can't be an effective witness for God. And we can't see conversion happen in this community until we get to then. There's a whole lot that's happened before then. Verse 14 says, forgive me for shedding blood. O God, who saves? Now he's dealing with his exact issue. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. It would be awesome if we could all joyfully sing. No, know, a lot of people don't sing even in church when they're told to sing. But some of them sing that are singing without joy. This is a whole, ne- a whole different level. Say new level. Yeah. This is a whole new level when you can joyfully sing about God's forgiveness. Instead of hanging your head in shame and thinking that he hates you and he's judging you, you can joyfully sing about his forgiveness verse 15 says unseal my lips O lord that my mouth may praise you if he's asking god to unseal his lips you ought to see where i'm going already if he's asking god to unseal his lips what does that mean his lips are his lips are sealed his spirit is shut down he can't even sing joyfully to god he can't even tell the praises of god that's the number one worshiper on the planet That's the praisingest dude on the planet, and he's all shut down and defeated and crushed, and he's asking God to to dust him off and set him back right. He says, unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. See, this is, you know, when you get dealing with a real Christian, because they want their mouth to do the praising of God. They don't want everybody else to be doing it for them. People come to church and want the worship leader to sing them happy. You ought to just be glad we let you sing. Join us as we sing. Let's all sing together. Uh, you've been invited. Hey, you might not sound that great. But to God, he loves the sound of your voice. David is moving forward, and I want us to move forward. Finally, David shares the key to making a comeback from God when you're blown it got to be broken you've got to be repentant in verse 16 he said you do not desire a sacrifice or i would offer one you don't want a burn offering see the religious people back in that day would say okay you sin here's what you do you go buy uh, a really a really nice blemish free mostly blemish free uh, lamb a pigeon a dove a cow a bull a goat some kind of animal sacrifice it uh god will accept your sacrifice and you'll be forgiven that's not, that, that, that was a plan for a time, but David knew God on a deep level, and he knew God was way beyond animal sacrifices. He knew God was way beyond. See, some people think God wants you to come back to church, join back your ministry, sing more, give more, pray more. That, that's, that's all part of it, but, but what he wants more than anything else is, is not your sacrifice. It's something different look at verse 17 he said the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit until you let god break you mm, that's good, Pastor. That's good. he's not going to bless you yes, yes, yes. everything jesus ever did or has done or will do is very well thought out and it's all strategic if you study the last supper the bible says plainly and emphatically that jesus took the bread He break it, and he blessed it. Everybody wants God to bless them, but everybody don't want to be broken, and you can't have one without the other. Everybody wants God to bless them and give them, but everybody has never come to God in true brokenness, and you don't get to here without coming through here. He said what you really want, God, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh, God, God wants us to be honest about where we are. Your sin should bother you. Mine bothers me. Your failure should bother you. Mine bothers me, breaks me, puts me down, opens an avenue for the devil to step into my mind with condemnation and hatred and and, and self-mental abuse. Where God just wants me to be broken to him and repent, ask for his forgiveness, and to receive it. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. See, some people, when you mess up, they get on the phone and tell everybody. And other people, like, I love her anyhow. See, the people that you really love, they can't wrong you hard enough for you to stop loving them. Because the Bible says love never fails. If you ever stopped loving somebody, uh, there was an issue there beyond the love. 1 Peter 4.8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. I had to deal with this over the last couple of days and realized that God's love and some of the people in this room's love can cover a, a, a thrown microphone and bottle of water. I, I had to come to deal to, to grips with the reality when my mind was moving me in one direction to think. You know what? The bottom line, the most important thing of all, is we just got to keep loving each other, because love looks over, covers over, hides, does not hold sin. Proverbs 17:9 says, "Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends." The reason why every church has lost lots of church members is because people refuse to be real Christians. I've told this to people many times. I want you to hear it as I close. I don't believe in the salvation of people who refuse restoration. Please tell them I said so. I don't believe in the salvation of people who refuse restoration. If you you wrong somebody, does not matter what the offense is. We're all guilty. If you wrong somebody and you try to restore with them... And they say, I ain't got time for you. I ain't trying to recover. No, I don't want to hear yours. I don't believe they're saved at all. Because the scripture says, if you won't forgive people their sins, God won't forgive you of yours. So that puts them in hell. Doesn't matter who they are, what they do, where they pastor, where, where, how, how holy they think they are, how holy you think they are. If they refuse restoration for any reason, well, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Well, don't die. Don't die. Because you can't get into heaven with that. Because God said, if you won't forgive, then his father won't forgive. And that's why love, you want love to grow? Be a forgiver. Because dwelling on it separates friendships, and that's not what God is about. Hebrews 12 27, God said, This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed, so that only unshakable things will remain. The only thing that remains are things that are unshakable. The scripture says whatever can be shaken will be shaken. So I got this question to ask you and I'm done. Can you be shook out of loving people? Can you be shook out of God's church? Can you be shook from your faith? Because all these people that that said uh, that quit God after Jimmy Swaggart got exposed. Their faith got shook because it could get shook. Because whatever can be shaken will be shaken. The only thing that remains are things that are unshakable. There will be some things that you are unshakable about. See, every real man in this room right now knows that no matter what the liberal media tells us about gender fluidity, non-binary, non-gender conforming, every real man in this room knows he's a man. And he can't be shook on that. Every real woman knows she's a woman. There ought to be some things that you cannot be shook on. And the biggest thing you ought to never be shook on is the fact that you love the God of this book and that you will do what he says. Everything else is going to fall. That's why the Bible prophesies a great last day falling away because all the half-hearted faker folk are going to go. And the unshakable people, they're like, <laughs> I, I, I had somebody, I, I, I talked to somebody, uh, one, one of the few people i talked to since Wednesday night on the phone to, told me, and, and, and I, I said, well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. He told me, Pastor, it, it don't matter what you do. You could do X, Y, and Z. Uh, I, I know you're a man, and you, you, you've told us very plainly that, that you, you, you need God as much as we do, and, and nothing you can do to shake me out of church. Amen. I said, well, let's hope it don't come to all that. I mean, I take that as a personal challenge. (laughs) You said you'd love me. The strength of any relationship is most proven in adverse situations. You got a relationship that's never been tested, you got a relationship you can't trust. Once that relationship's been tested, and you see what that person did... All these ride or die folk, that's my ride or die. That's my one. My, my, my friends, everything to me. Well, let's see what happens in adversity. Real relationships are tested by adversity. So how close are you to God? Have you ever blown it? Every. See, blowing it doesn't mean that you are failed. Or that you're a failure. It just means that you failed then. Because Proverbs 24, 16 says the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The godly may trip seven times. Now, it says may trip seven times. I don't believe that indicates that they may not trip. I think it indicates it might be seven times. It might be three times. It might be three million times. The number of times is the may, not whether or not you will trip everybody's gonna stumble everybody's gonna fall but righteous people and see this is why god allows us to see the dirt on david this is why god allows us to see the dirt on abraham this is why god allows us to see the dirt on samson this is why god allows us to see the dirt on the apostle peter because they all fell and got up see that's what righteous people do the godly may trip seven times i woke up this morning still dealing with this congestion still dealing with the sinus pressure and I thought you know what I could just call Elder Jimmy or Elder Keon and get them to preach for me this morning and I'm going to have to stand up embarrassed in front of everybody because it's embarrassing when you do wrong but then I remembered godly people got to keep getting up Because the last of that verse says, but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You can Google any website you want to. 1,500 pastors quit ministry every month and never go back to it. Because once they mess up in front of people, they're scared to show their face again. Once they get caught doing something wrong, they're scared to show their face again. They can't stand the strain of bearing everyone's problems and being pulled and tugged and twisted and torn. One disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. People quit, fall out of church, over someone rolled their eyes at you, over someone didn't shake your hand, over everybody else's. I had a family quit the church. Two families actually quit the church at the same time because every time I mentioned the cleaning ministry, I said Stacy Edmonds' name and I didn't say their name. And they 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 uh, they they can't be in a church like that. They don't recognize everybody equal. Listen, you better wonder. You better know that God recognizes you. Don't do anything you do here for me. I'm just a man. And I might throw a microphone, a bottle of water. But I'll get back up. And I want you to get back up. Because that's what godly people do. Don't be the wicked person that just, I, I'm done. I'm done. Godly people are never done. Because God is never done with his people. Last verse says, if we could. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to notice that this is specifically dealing with us and God. If I confess my sins to God, that word confess in the Greek means to agree with Him about it, to agree with Him that my actions are wrong. He's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That says nothing about what people will say for me. That says nothing about how people will treat you. But the bottom line is, you must be right with God. And the Bible says, as much as is within you, be at peace with all men. At every level you can, try to be right with people. But you must be right with God. The great news I've got for you in closing, I know I've been long, is this. Doesn't matter how many times you've messed up doesn't matter what your sin is. If you will ask God to forgive you, he will do it. That's his promise. That's who we serve. That's the God of this book. That's the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you and he will. Well, what about what everybody else thinks? Get it right with God first. Get up. Go back to God. Come to God for the first time. Just don't lay down. Just don't give up. Just don't let, let one event or a series of events cause you to throw in the towel. Because although preachers are not worthy and people have problems, God will never do you wrong and God will always be worth serving and God will always be worth praise. Let's pray together. God, thank you for... Your patience, your forgiveness, your love, your mercy. Thank you for friendship in Christ. Thank you for mature saints who overlook a fault. God, I pray that you would help immature saints and lost people to receive true forgiveness so they can give true forgiveness. God, I pray for every unsaved person in this room today. Lord, I pray that you would save them by the power of yourself. God, for every struggling person in this room, I pray that you would pour your love out on us. Remind us that we're redeemed. Remind us that we're forgiven. Remind us that even as you told your disciples, we are clean by the word that you have spoken unto us. Thank you for your word. I pray that it would live in us. A living epistle for all the world to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast.